Welcome to Talking About You with Estra's radio podcast from Seattle, Washington, USA, a car accident talk show where auto insurance, employer ERISA, social security disability insurance, surveillance, and much, much more is talked about. There are over 400 podcasts ready for your listening pleasure and information. Every individual deserves the insurance care, settlements, and benefits promised by their insurance, whether public or private. Estra is a car accident advocate who writes, talks, develops videos, and personal brand tools to help protect your rights and privileges. Tired of getting the short end of the stick after a collision? Join me, Estra by supporting insured civil rights legislation to get those doing the wrong things to start doing them right. Use the hashtag TreatMeRight. Let's get started with today's show. Listeners, today we are on part seven of the series, Constitutional Basics for Everyday People. Talking About You with Estra on Block Talk Radio, iTunes Podcast, EstraCarWreckHelp.com, and Estra Seattle. This will be the last part of the Constitutional Basics for Everyday People series. The previous sections are available to hear on all those links just provided. The next show will contain all the Constitutional Basics in one. That means sections one through seven. Today, what we're going to talk about is Section 28, which is the hereditary privileges abolished. 29 is the Constitution mandatory. 30 is rights reserved. 31 is standing army. 32 is fundamental principles. 33 is recall of elected officials. And 34 is the same. And the last section is victims of crime. Somehow, the last eight sections of the Washington State Constitution here require greater explanations. Therefore, today we'll go a little slower to ensure understanding. Again, thanks for your patience on the program volumes. I'm still having a little technical difficulties, but I do hope to get them fixed by next week. So let's light up those phone calls today at 718-766-4385. I'm here and I care the number is 718-766-4385. So we're going to jump right in to Section 28, which is Hereditary Privileges Abolishes. And the state constitution says, No hereditary emoluments, privileges, or powers should be granted or conferred in this state. So let's see if we can break this down into English. Hereditary privileges, laws descending from an ancestor to a legal heir, passing down inheritance, law having title or possession through heritance. Okay, so that's what they're talking about when they say hereditary. It has to be something like the king or the queen, something that can be passed down or something that's uh, from a position of power. Emoluments, we've been hearing this for, I don't know, this since Trump got into office. It says a salary fee or profit from employment or office. And for Trump, they're talking about the office of president. We've been hearing that a lot. 
So I went and took a look at what it says for the U.S. state constitution, right, or the U.S. constitution versus just the state constitution, which I actually did find there's a lot of overlap in some of the areas. So emolument clause states, no title of nobility shall be granted by the United States, and no person holding any office of trust or profit under them shall, without the consent of Congress, accept any presence, emoluments, office, or title of any kind whatsoever from any king, prince, or foreign state. And that's why they're talking about what Trump is doing currently in office. So it'll be interesting to see how this whole process goes, comes out with that. But after today, the good news is you'll know a little bit more about how to define some of those statements. So I'm going to go back and read it so that we've kind of cleared up a couple things here where it says Section 28, it's just a sentence or two. No hereditary emoluments, okay, that means that you can't get money and power and privileges from someplace outside the United States, shall be granted or conferred in this state. In this instance, we're talking about for Washington State because we're looking at Washington State's Constitution. Uh, every state has one. A lot of them are similar. Some of them have a few different things, and that's why we are going to go through and take a look and see what some of the other states have. And we may even get to the U.S. Constitution maybe within the next year. We won't try to squeeze it all into it. We'll probably try to get to it before the next election since we've got some coming up in 218. Now we're going to go to Section 29, which is called Constitution Mandatory, that section. And it says, the provisions of this Constitution are mandatory unless by express words they are declared to be otherwise. In other words, the items in the Constitution must be respected unless there is something otherwise stated in a section which says it doesn't apply. So the next section is Section 30, Rights Reserved. And it says, quote, The enumeration in this Constitution of certain rights shall be construed to deny others retained by the people. And now you see why we're spending a little bit more time on each one of the sections in these last seven, because for some reason they stopped speaking English. They started speaking something the average person doesn't necessarily get the first time through. And so that's why it took a little bit more time to break down each one of these so that we could see what they say. All rights reserved. The definitions that I've done to this far are basically done from Google searches that come up, and they're basically the, the first one. So you could actually go out, stick in any of these words, and you'll be able to see exactly where they came from. If it's not Google, just the one that they have up front, I've actually stated where the actual definitions came from. We're on Section 30. Rights reserve is the, the, what we're talking about here. And I'll just read it just a sentence or two again. It says, enumeration... And this constitution of certain rights shall be construed to deny others retained by the people. So I went up and I took a look at all rights reserved. And it's a phrase that originated in copyright law as a formal requirement for copyright notice. It indicates that the copyright holder reserves or holds for their own use all the rights provided by the copyright law under one specific copyright treaty. And that came from wikipedia.org. So in other words, you have the right to claim your unique work and others do not have the right to infringe upon what is yours 
without your permission and without facing legal consequences for those actions. Enumerate means to mention separately as if counting. Name one by one. Specify as in a list. This is from dictionary.com, and I thought that that was a little, a little bit easier when you're trying to figure out enumerate. When you're looking at the Constitution, you actually see where we have several sectors. We have 1 through 35. And so that's basically allowing you to enumerate to see exactly what that right or that law is in this particular case. I just want to read the definition from dictionary.com because I thought it made it so much clearer. It says, to mention separately as if in counting, name one by one, specify as in a list. In summary, rights reserved contain the rights to protect by law specific work designed by an individual. I'm sure there's some companies also have that. Or in the case of the Constitution, each item defined by sector. Section 31 is standing army. No standing army shall be kept up by this state in time of peace, and no soldier in time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of its owner, nor in time of war except in the manner prescribed by law. So I thought, okay, we have to stop and, and break this out too. A standing army, unlike a reserve army, is a permanent, often professional army. It is composed of full-time soldiers and is not disbanded during times of peace. And that's a definition from Wikipedia. You remember, many families in the South during the Civil War recall armies coming in and taking over their homes, food, land for military purposes without the owner's permission. Currently, this is illegal in Washington State under most circumstances. So that's what they mean by standing army. Someone can't just come to your house and say, we're going to recuse your house because uh, we need to take it over. I think there's still some people in the South that have a bit of resentment from there. There's so many different terminologies that have come from the Civil War out of how things happened down there. But I'm glad that we are still trying to make it back and not hold all the wounds that we've encountered in our country up to now and trying to move forward. Okay, we're going to go to Section 32. Fundamental principles. A frequent recurrence to fundamental principles is essential to the security of the individual rights and perpetuity of a free government. Let me read that again for you. It's fundamental principles, and it's section 32. A frequent recurrence to fundamental principles is essential to the security of individual rights and perpetuity of free government. I'm really having the struggle with that. And what does that really mean? It says, Constitution is made of three branches. We have the legislative branch, executive branch, judicial branch. And I'm going to break that down into areas in which you can understand here. We've got uh, the principles of the Constitution includes the people hold ultimate power in the government. So when people come up and they say to you, you know, there's just this government doing that, say, no, it's we the people. And in my opinion, the way in which we the people keep this moving is through our votes and putting people in power who are competent, for one thing, have your interest in mind and listen to the people and not just Wall Street. From my perspective, the people for several years have been requesting certain actions by their government, and once the political figures get into office, they do the complete opposite of what people have been asking them to do. 
republicanism. I never had actually saw that. And what it is defined as, which I thought was fascinating, is people get to choose their government leaders. They're talking about political representatives, right? And I never associated that with the term Republican or GOP. I always associated it with something different than what our Constitution made it to be. Does that mean that it's changed over time? I don't know. But what it states, and I've been educated on that, which is a good thing, is that republicanism means people get to choose their government leaders, not their government leaders get to manipulate to choosing them. Remember, it's very important to vote. Separations of power. Okay. Now, remember, we're still in the fundamental principles sector, too. I'm just breaking it out so you can really kind of understand what they're talking about. Sections of power means no one component of the government holds too much power. I need to say this again because I think Trump needs to hear this again. It says no one component of the government holds too much power. Powers are distributed among three branches. Branches make, enforce, and interpret laws. And we saw that with Trump's uh, laws for immigration when the courts in Hawaii and Washington State, another state which I can't pull up right now, said that the rights that he had to take people out of the country was not justified. And that's still going through the courts. It's really important. So I want to just go back and talk about the Sector 32. It's called Fundamental Principles. And the main thing that it's trying to get across is our laws within the Constitution work and the three branches of government, which is the legislative, the executive, and the judicial. Fundamental principles state, which is a little confusing, and that's why I broke it out, a frequent recurrence to fundamental principles is essential to the security of individual rights and the perpetual perpetuity of free government. And let's go to checks and balances now, because that's part of the same, the fundamental principles. Checks and balances, we're always hearing that a lot, but what does it mean? With checks and balances, each of the three branches of government can limit the powers of the others, and we're seeing that happen with actual Trump. And, for example, what's been going on with Putin and him wanting to get his diplomats back into the country, and Trump was going to go ahead and allow that to happen until Congress interjected and said they built a, a law that's saying what he wanted to do has to be approved by Congress. And actually it ended up being approved. So that's an example of checks and balances. When any three branches of our government gets out of balance, the other two can actually intervene and make sure that our our laws and our country stay on track. So let's hope we continue to have something in place where this occurs. So let me go again and talk about checks and balances. With checks and balances, each of the three branches of government can limit the powers of the other. This way, no one branch becomes too powerful. Each branch checks the power of the other branches to make sure the power is balanced between them. When they're talking checks and balances, now you know what they're talking about. We also often hear about limited government, and this, I think, is very important to hear. Limited government means no government is all-powerful. Everyone is bound by the U.S. Constitution. That means the states can be preempted by the U.S. Constitution. The state constitution 
looks out for each state, but the U.S. Constitution looks out for the entire country. It says, no government is all-powerful. Everyone is bound by the U.S. Constitution. That's when they're talking about limited government. Individual rights. Individual rights refer to the liberties of each individual to pursue life and goals without interference from other individuals or the government. Examples of individual rights include the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as stated in the United States Declaration of Independence. And we got that from study.com. And then the last we have under fundamental principles is federalism. And that's a term I hadn't actually really heard a lot. But what it means is the power is shared between national and state governments. Let me say that again. So when you hear federalism, when I heard federalism, I don't know why I always just thought of the federal government, but what it actually means is power is shared between the national and state governments. You can see how it ended up breaking out Section 32, Fundamental Principles. I just want to read it. It's really short. A frequent recurrence to fundamental principles is essential to the security of, of individual rights and the perpetuity of free government. And how I broke that out, I just want to summarize just a little bit because it is a bit to go through. It's a constitution that's made of three branches, legislative, executive, and judicial. And then principles of the constitution include popular sovereignty, and that's the people hold ultimate power in the government, right? So the government isn't the power, the people is the power. We have republicanism, which is people get to choose their leaders, right, the political representatives. And this is why you are responsible for making this happen by voting. Is there voter suppression in every state? Not hopefully not every state, but too many states. Absolutely. What does that mean? That means that you have to take six months before it's time to vote to go and make sure that you can vote and find out what you need to do. And I know it's a lot to ask when you're struggling, and particularly poor people, and have so much on your plate. But this this country is not going to make it without you and your vote. So you really have to do everything possible to get out there and make that happen. It won't happen without you. Separations of powers, right? That means no one component of the government holds too much power. Powers are distributed among the three branches, which we talked about, legislative, executive, and judicial. Branches make, enforce, and interpret laws. The next part of it is checks and balances. With checks and balances, each of the three branches of government can limit the power of the others. This way, no one branch becomes too powerful. Each branch checks the power of the other branches to make sure the power is balanced between them. And limited government, which means no government is all-powerful, Everyone is bound by the U.S. Constitution. Individual rights. Individual rights refer to the liberties of each individual to pursue life and goals without interference from other individuals or the government. Examples of individual rights include the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, as stated in the United States Declaration of Independence. And the last one is federalism, which means power is shared between the national and state governments. So there we have it. 
That's Section 32, Fundamental Principles. Section 33 is also had to be a bit broken out, too, and it's the recall of elected officers. Every elective public officer of the state of Washington, and that's except judges of courts of record, are subject to recall and discharge by the legal voters of the state. Who's the legal voters of the state? It's you. You have the right and you control for recalls of the elective officers or of the political subdivisions of the state from which he or she was elected whenever a petition demanding his recall, we saw this in Wisconsin, remember, reciting that such officers have committed some act or acts, malfeasance and misfeasance, while in office or who has violated his oath of office, stating the matters complained of. This is kind of what happened in Wisconsin. Scott got recalled. Uh, fortunately, he survived the recall. I don't know how he did, but he did. If you decide that there's somebody in your state that needs to be recalled, know that most state constitutions provide that opportunity. It has to be signed by the percentage of qualified electors. And then ignore some of these words, the thereof, here and after provided, that gets you a little confused. And that's how come we're taking it a little bit slower on this one. The percentage required to be computed from the total number of votes cast for all candidates for his set office to which he was elected at the preceding election. Okay, so it goes down into the details of what to be able to be recalled, what those numbers need to be, basically. But know that you can, or citizens can, request to recall on an elected official. That's kind of the bottom line that you need to know, and that that has to pass by a certain percentage of the people. I'll go on and read. I just want to make sure that you kind of get the gist of it, because it doesn't always come out as clear as you want. All candidates for his set office to which he was elected at the preceding election is filed with the officer with whom a petition for nomination or certificate for nomination to such office must be filed under the laws of the state. So basically, if you're interested in, in actually recalling someone in your state, make sure to go out and read your state constitution, see what it says, if it's like Washington State, you're probably going to have to break it down a bit because it's not always as clear. Uh, make sure you summarize it. And there's also a lot of other people out there and things to look at to be able to help you get through that process. And the same officer shall call a special election as provided by the general election laws of this state and the results determined as therein provided. Uh, I know that was not easy to understand. I definitely agree with that, but I hope breaking it a bit made it easier. And also, if that's something that you're interested in, know that you just have time to do it. Be patient and, and keep asking questions, and you'll get there. Many people have done it. Uh, you can actually go on Wisconsin and see exactly what they did. So there's a lot of people who have done recalls, and, and if that's something you're interested in. Believe me, I'm wondering if there's more than far too many in, in our current uh, political system that need recalls. You have to do something wrong in order to make that happen. So don't get too excited about that yet unless you know have been illegal by uh, on a representative. Personally, I think most of them try their best. It's probably very difficult when you're being pulled from different uh, sections of society and wanting different things and trying to find that balance may not always be easy. So I do give them credit, at least on that particular concern. Section 34 actually is really about Section 33, so it kind of goes into the same thing. It's a little bit clearer, 
we'll see how it goes. And this is called same. The legislature shall pass the necessary laws to carry out the provisions of Section 33, which is the recall of elected officials, provided that the authority hereby confirms upon the legislature shall not be construed to grant to the legislature any exclusive power of lawmaking, nor in any way limit the initiative and referendums powers reserved by the people. That means you can't block the people, right? If the people have the rights and they're in and they're following the laws of, of Washington State in this case, then they need to be able to pursue their ability to recall a representative. And then it goes on. It says the percentages required shall be state officers other than judges, senators, and representatives, city officers of cities of the first class, school district boards in the cities of the first class. So it gets in the – I actually am going to just kind of drop – from that a little bit. You can go out and read it yourself. It's just for a percentage of the recall that they're talking about. But the terminology that they're using, I don't think, is is actually that clear. And I think that we've really kind of covered the gist of it in uh, section, the Section 33. It is out there for everyone to read. Make sure that you know you can always go and Google the Washington State Constitution or the state constitution in your uh, for your state to find out exactly what it says. So the last section we're going to talk about is Section 35, and it's Victims of Crimes. And it says, quote, Effective law enforcement depends on cooperation from victims of crimes. To ensure victims a meaningful role in the criminal justice system and to accord them due dignity and respect, Victims of crimes are hereby granted the following basic and fundamental rights. So there's that word fundamental again. But fundamental rights for who? Victims of crimes. It says, upon notifying the prosecuting attorney, a victim of a crime charged as a felony shall have the right to be informed of and subject to the discretion of the individual presiding over the trial or court proceedings. So the, they're telling right now what the rights of victims are if you've had something, a crime, against you. You can attend the trial and all other court proceedings the defendant has a right to attend and to make a statement at sentencing and at any proceeding where the defendant's release is considered subject to the same rules or procedure which govern the defendant's rights. And this last week or so, we saw that on the O.J. Simpson case where he was up for probation. One of the people who the crime was against actually came to the parole hearing and testified in his behalf. So there's there are things there to ensure that if there's a victim in a crime that they have a right to speak at it sounds like every part of the process that happens on the case. In the event the victim is deceased incompetent, a minor, or otherwise unavailable, the prosecuting attorney may identify a representative to appear to exercise the victim's rights. This provision shall not constitute a basis for error in favor of a defendant in a criminal proceeding, nor a basis for providing a victim or victim's representative with court-appointed counsel. Right, So that means you have to have your own attorneys. Does this include the victimization of policyholder abuse, the harassment, intimidation, 
of bullying by insured harassers. Insured are victims of crimes when constant practices of insurers hinder the right of individuals living their lives normally with the exception of hacking smartphones, laptops, websites in conjunction to driving back and forth and parking in front of residents. So let me say that again because to me when I think of victims of crimes, I believe that when people involved in collisions who actually sign up for an insurance claim for benefits and they run into harassment, intimidation, bullying, uh, by insured harassers, to me, this is a crime. This is abuse from my perspective. So let me read this to you again. It says, does this include the victimization of policyholders' abuse via harassment, intimidation, of bullying by insured harassers? Insured, that means you, are victims of crimes when constant practices by insurers Hinder the rights of individuals living their normal lives, if that's normal after becoming disabled. It's probably the new normal for many people. With the exception of hacking smartphones, laptops, websites, in conjunction to driving back and forth and parking in front of residents, this certainly sounds like victim's crime to me. Congratulations, We've just gone through the basic fundamentals of Washington State's Constitution. It's been broken down in a way for everyday people to understand. This is just the start of learning how to protect your rights, know when they are being violated, and provided self-confidence on being able to stand up for yourself. Here's a list of the sections that we've gone over. There's 1, 2, 35. So the section one was political power, section two was supreme law of the land, section three is personal rights, section four is right of petition and assemblage, section five is freedom of speech, section six is oaths, section seven is invasion of private affairs or home prohibited, section eight is irrevocable privileges, franchise or immunity prohibited. Section 9 is right of the accused person. Section 10 is administration of justice. Section 11 is religious freedom. Section 12 is special privileges and immunities prohibited. Section 13 is habeas corpus. Section 14 is excessive bail, fines, and punishment. Section 15 is convictions and the effect of them. Section 16 is imminent domain. Section 17 is imprisonment for debt. Section 18 is military power. Section 19 is freedom of elections. Section 20, bail when authorized. Section 21, trial by jury. Section 22, rights of the accused. Section 23, Bill of Attainder. Section 24, Right to Bear Arms. Section 25, Prosecution by Information. Section 26, Grand Jury. Section 27, Treason. Section 28, Hereditary Privileges Abolished. 
Section 29, Constitution Mandatory. Section 30, Rights Reserved. Section 31, Rising Army. Section 32, Fundamental Principles. Section 33, Recall of Elective Officers. Section 34 is the same as 33. Section 35, Victims of Crimes and Their Rights. It's not too difficult to understand your rights. When they are not shared and you remain ignorant, it provides the opportunity for abuse and unjust action. So regardless of your situation, stand up. There are millions of others going through the same obstacles, and you too can make it through. Whether these are actions of auto insurance, employers, social security disability, disability surveillance, or bullying and intimidation. You just hang in there and you'll make it. And now you're equipped to be able to know what's in the Constitution, what your rights are, and how you can take action to protect yourself. In a 217 Car Accident Weekly Planner, there needs to be places where you can write your own notes, save information that uh, you need to retrieve at a later date, and be able to, ask, to be able to document things that are important to your case. And this is the reason why I designed 217 Car Accident Weekly Planner with an injured person in mind. So let's talk about what you, as an injured person, would find helpful in a car accident weekly planner. And we'll go over what I have in this planner to be helpful. I personally know how difficult life can be after being involved in a traffic collision. In most cases, the time, energy, recovery, and money required makes this journey difficult. And therefore, having wisdom and knowledge at your disposal can alleviate pain, suffering, and prepare you for the challenges from auto insurance, employers, long-term disability insurance, Social Security, attorneys, or anyone else who comes along on your journey. When in a car wreck, focusing on recovery and directing how life moves forward becomes important. There will be challenges, yet they can be overcome with creativity, hopefulness, determination, and rest. Find a hobby or join me as an advocate to improve the lives of people injured by supporting insured civil rights legislation to be passed by Congress. Take care of yourself and remember that I am here for you. My website at estruscarwreckhelp.com. You'll find legitimate links here and answers. Best recovery to you, Estra. Did you enjoy the format for talking about you with Estra today? Let me know at Estra's Radio Show on Twitter or talking about you with Estra on Facebook. The more we know about our rights concerning a car accident, the better off the injured will be. Thanks for your participation today in the program. Until next week, drive safe, be hopeful, and help each other. This is Estra, your car accident advocate in Seattle, Washington, USA. When you need me, I'll be here at estrascarwreckhelp.com. Again, that website is estracarwreckhelp.com. That's one full word. I hope to hear from you soon.